the church, the church has a problem. But, but unlike, unlike most organizations, maybe even unlike most families, the, the, <clears throat> the church's problem is not, not about lacking something. The church has a problem, but unlike most organizations, the church's problem is not that we lack a thing. Hear me, hear me. We, we do not lack money. The church has plenty of money. This is where the preacher inserts that old joke about um, we have plenty of money. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of it's in your wallets, and we need you to give it uh, <clears throat> later on. But that just passed now, didn't it? We've passed the plate, so we'll have to wait till next week. But, it, but it's true. The church has plenty of money. It does. And it's, 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 and it's not volunteers. It's not volunteers. The church has plenty of volunteers. A week and a half ago, I sent out an email uh, asking, for, um, asking for volunteers for Vacation Bible School. Uh, which is coming, by the way, if you hadn't seen the wall. Um, we had three people respond in the first 10 minutes to our request for volunteers. I mean, that's awesome. And we actually have plenty of volunteers for this week. And, 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 and I'm actually, I, and I know a, a couple dozen of you right now are going, I feel so bad. Uh, I can't help with Vacation Bible School. I got this thing going on or, or I have a job. Here's the deal. This is not me talking about Vacation Bible School and volunteers as a guilt trip. It's the opposite of that. It's a celebration. We have enough volunteers. It's awesome. Everybody say amen. The church's problem is not that we lack things. The church's problem is not scarcity because we, we worship a God of abundance. Our problem is a disconnection. We have plenty. We have plenty. But our plenty is, is not connected to where the needs are. And, and this, is, this has truly been the problem, not just of the church, but even before the church. This is the problem of humanity. This is the problem of history. This is the problem of the church. But it's also the problem of, 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 of every one of us. The good news, and by that I mean capital G, capital N, gospel good news. The message of the church, the message of God, the good news is that God has a plan for our problem. And the plan is the Holy Spirit. And, and it's actually not a, it's not a new concept. It, it, didn't even like, it didn't even begin on the day of Pentecost, which we celebrate this day, 50 days after Easter. The Holy Spirit is, uh, is well, it's, 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 it's biblically present on day one. And I'd like to do something. The, today's story, we've been reading the stories of the, uh, of the signs and wonders that God was doing through the Acts of the Apostles, uh, this sequel to Luke. But today's story has as its main character the Holy Spirit. So I'd like to do some. I don't do this a lot. I'd like to watch a video. Uh, it's about three minutes long or so. I'd like to watch a video now that, I, that actually introduces us to this character of the Holy Spirit, if, uh, if you'd allow me. So, um, Randy, cue that up. I like, I like this video's ability to connect what we're going to read today with the very beginning of the story. 
that the, that the work of creation that the Holy Spirit was involved in in Genesis 1 and chapter 2 that we put on hold and tried to, tried to completely separate from in Genesis 3 is being redone, started over, and this is the, this is the landmark day of it. That's one of many landmark days. The resurrection and now the giving of the Holy Spirit. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to do something, um, uh, Acts chapter 2, I'm going to do something that I haven't, uh, that I don't do uh, too often. I'm going to read from a different translation so that we would also hear this important story sort of with new ears. I'm going to read from uh, uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message translation. It's Acts chapter 2, and uh, we'll read through most of the chapter. Hear the word of God. When the Feast of Pentecost came, 50 days after Easter, they were all together in one place, they being the, uh, the men and the women, the, uh, the, the, the disciples that would become apostles who Jesus had told them to wait for the Spirit to come. It says, without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then, when they heard, one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and and kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs. This is a joke about the Cretans that we've used before in here. They didn't like the Cretans, but even the Cretans are included. They're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? Others joked, they're drunk on cheap wine. That's when Peter stood up and, backed by the other eleven, spoke out with bold urgency. Fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. And then he begins to dispel their first pushback. These people aren't drunk, as some of you suspect. They haven't even had time to get drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Which is a joke, and everybody in the room should laugh at what Peter's saying right now. It's too early for that. Pay attention. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. Now, now, now let me press pause for just a second to interrupt and say, um, if you're Peter speaking to the modern American church, you might not go to Joel as your, uh, as your first bit of evidence. He's going to actually go to two different Old Testament sources. Joel is the first of the two. Uh, and, and, and you might be, and it's a fair question, you might be going, why Joel? Is there not something better? Couldn't you use like a more modern like, you know, uh, illustration? Why Joel? And it's because for this, for this Jewish, like this, this, this traditional cultural understanding of the way that the world works, every person 
would have been aware that in the body of the Old Testament that we know, the Hebrew Scriptures, in the body of that, there are particular places, there are particular persons, there are particular prophets that speak specifically about how the world will be put back back together by God, and Joel is one of them. So so he's not picking some random place from the Bible to to use as his testimony. He's picking a specific place. And everybody in the room would have said, oh, he's going with Joel. This is what Joel says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions, your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the skies above and and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous. And whoever calls out for help for me, to me, God will be saved. Now, 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 Peter begins to connect this message with what's happening today. Fellow Israelites, listen carefully to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man thoroughly accredited by God to you, the miracles and wonders and signs that God did, did through him are common knowledge. This Jesus, following the deliberate and well-thought-out plan of God, was betrayed by men who took the law into their own hands and was handed over to you. And you pinned him to a cross and killed him. But God untied the death ropes and raised him up. Death was no match for him. David said it all. This is the second of the two Old Testament witnesses that Peter is, is invoking here in this message. David said it all. I saw God before me for all time. Nothing can shake me. He's right by my side. I'm glad from the inside out, ecstatic. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. I know you'll never dump me in Hades. I'll never even smell the stench of death. You've got my feet on the life path with your face shining sun joy all around. Now Peter responds, Dear friends, Let me be completely frank with you. Our ancestor David is dead and buried. Now, now here's, here's here's why he's quoting David and referring to David. If you have the chance to visit the Holy Land, if you have the chance to visit the Holy Land, did I see Gary and Margie? Yeah, if you have the chance to visit the Holy Land, this is pl- taking place, this, this, this moment, this Pentecost is taking place and it's, and, and it's happening in the upper room, the same upper room where Jesus met with them like 53 days, 53 days before. It's, it's all starting from there on a hilltop, the upper room. But what's fascinating, and, 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 you, and you can understand this when you have the chance to visit it, uh, what's fascinating is that's happening there and just down the hill, literally closer than the nearest cemetery marker out where I'm standing, is the actual site of the tomb of King David. So so in addition to the fact that David was the great king, in addition to the fact that it's David's lineage that Jesus takes up, in addition to the fact that everybody is waiting for David to come back and restore everything and put everything together, in addition to all the reasons he's mentioning David, he's also saying, hey, David's tomb 
is in plain sight today. He's like, like, look over there. Seriously, just got, you guys look around. It's right over there. And here's the thing about David's tomb. It's got bones in it. David died and stayed dead. But also being a prophet and knowing that God had solemnly sworn that a descendant of his would rule his kingdom, seeing far ahead, David talked of the resurrection of the Messiah. No trip to Hades, no stench of death. This Jesus God raised up. And every one of us here is a witness to it. Then raised to the heights at the right hand of God and receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father, he poured out the Spirit he had just received. That is what you see and hear. For David himself did not ascend to heaven. But he did say, God said to my master, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a stool for resting your feet. All Israel, then know this. There's no longer room for doubt. God made him master and Messiah, this Jesus whom you killed on a cross. And with his, uh, with his speech now over, with his sermon now over, the people respond. Cut to the quick. Those who were listening asked Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, brothers, so now what do we do? Peter said, change your life. Literally, turn to God. Turn back around and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to all who are far away, whomever, in fact, our Master God invites. He went on in this vein for a long time, urging them over and over, get out while you can. I love this line. Get out of this sick and stupid culture. Everybody say that with me. Get out of this sick and stupid culture. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word, were baptized and were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Everyone was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles. This is truly the word of God for we the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. The way the story is told is that, that Jesus was resurrected and spent 40 days literally bodily present with the disciples. And he's teaching them and he's instructing them and he's having meals with them and he's doing life with them for 40 days. But 10 days prior to this event, 10 days prior, Jesus says, now you need to wait here for what's to come. And they would have undoubtedly asked, what is it? What is it? When is it going to happen? He said, he said no, 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 that's, that's up to God. But, but you need to wait here for what's to come. And this is the day that it's come. And, and we've been asking the question now for five or six weeks. If the Old Testament, excuse me, if the Acts of the Apostles in the New Testament is filled with these signs and wonders. And that there's never an expiration date on them. I've been reading that some denominations, some churches do teach that, that the signs and wonders stopped with those apostles. But, um, and I didn't know that. I, I, I learned the word the other day. Uh, well, we, we don't believe that. I don't believe that. Nowhere can I find it. And, and yet, and yet we're seeing fewer signs and wonders. What was going on that this happened this day? I, I, I like the way... Uh, 
I like the way A.W. Tozer writes about it. You, you got that, that slide up there? The Holy Spirit did not fall at Pentecost in order to unify believers. He came in response to them being prayerful, obedient, and united. I mean, this, this, is, this is why most of the translations that we read from, not, maybe not Eugene Peterson's, but most of the translations say that, uh, that, that, that on that day when all of, uh, all of the believers in Jesus were of one accord, when they were all together and on the same page, then God showed up. I mean, could it, could it be that where, 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 where the failure of signs and wonders to appear is happening, like right now, the failure isn't on God's part. No, none of us thought that. The failure is on our part to be united, to be unified, to be prayed up and obedient. And there's this emphasis over and over in this story that we just read around the who can be the recipient. There's this emphasis, and it, and it answers it over and over again. It, it says from the beginning, and then it gives clues again, and then it talks about it again and again and again. And the answer is always the Holy Spirit and this work of God is available to all people. Which is really good to know because I've spent the last six weeks saying just as much from the stories that follow this. When Peter declares all people, think about the stories we've been reading. That all people includes both men and who? Women. Both men and women. And it says it right there. Men and women were prophesying. Men and women received the Holy Spirit. Men and women. It also says Jews and Gentiles. That's radical. Men and women, Jews and Gentiles. It even, it gets crazy. And, and the stories support this. It even says that, that the rich receive the Holy Spirit and the rest of us. Right? Because nobody in here is rich, right? We're all just the rest of us. There's, there's not a monetary requirement for God to be at work in your life. Just be alive and God's at work in your life. And even, even young people and old people are recipients. I think it's, I think it's a helpful reminder for those of us who have now reached uh, an age of some stature, right? I think it's a helpful reminder that on this day, the people that were at the front of the pack leading the church were most likely all teenagers. Everybody say, Lord, help them. <clears throat> Lord, help us, right? Men and women, Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, young and old, and yet, and yet, and I'm almost done. One boundary, there is one boundary that the Holy Spirit never crosses when it comes to the all people. There is one boundary. It says all people, but, but the Holy Spirit never shows up for a certain type of person. The loner. Check this out. This is what, uh, what Stephen Elliott says. There is no New Testament account of a person being filled with the Holy Spirit when he or she was alone. 
We're talking about filled with the Holy Spirit. We're talking about receiving the power of the Holy Spirit and working with signs and wonders. It says those filled with the Holy Spirit are always found in a group context. So we want signs and wonders. We want God to show up here first. We've got to be united. And second, we've got to stay together. I was reading. I, I, I was reading, and it was uh, and, and this this it was actually a book by Stephen Elliott. It's powerful on evangelism and and what God does through the Holy Spirit to win back the world. And one of the things it says is the church has gotten off track trying trying to win back the world. And this is gonna I don't even I don't even it, it like like one little like one little person at a time and it says that what where where the church has lost sight of the fact that this story and so many more stories in the new testament and so many more stories in history is that god wants to show up big if we'll allow him god wants god wants to save not just one person but a whole family. God wants to save not just one family, but a bunch of families. God wants to save neighborhoods. God wants to, God wants to reach communities. And I can't, I can't help but think that in a couple, three months, when we're celebrating our anniversary, we were started because a church up the road, one train stop up said, God wants to reach a community called Bonaire in 1894. That's how we started. Isn't that what we should still be about? And so, and so this week, 130 children. How many families does that represent? 130 children and all their parents and their grandparents and whoever their guardian is for the day. Whoever child care is for the day, I mean, you know, transportation and drop-off is for the day, are going to come to this place. And I believe God wants us to be the people who are connecting our community back to the God who made them and loved them. And we're not stopping with Vacation Bible School. Um, we, we hadn't even talked about it, but, uh, but, in, but in a few months, we've got this crazy idea where instead of just going door-to-door to visit our neighbors, we're going to go to door-to-door to visit our neighbors and invite them to a big event here. We want our entire community to know that they are loved and cared for. And I'm excited about it, and we're already working on it. But, but this church is continuing not just its own legacy, but this church is continuing this Holy Spirit mandate, this Holy Spirit blueprint, which starts with the God who wants to connect back with people, that we would be together and united so that God's power can be at work this this is the story and I, I i just want to be a part of it i think god wants us all to be a part of it but he doesn't force us he lets us choose let's pray
O God. You who are spirit and truth. You who are powerful and present. Lord, we pray that you would remove the obstacles we have put in place. Come, Holy Spirit. Get our stuff out of the way that you can be at work. May unity and a deep sense of connection be our witness to the world. That those who are lost would be reconnected to the God who wants them to be found. Come Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.